0: Hey, it's Justin, and I have a big announcement and personal invitation for you. This May, we're inviting a small group of people to Austin to learn how to grow their wealth tax-free and get access to some of my personal friends and experts in the industry. We did something similar last year, and the feedback was incredible, so we set aside a few tickets for non-Mastermind members to join us for this event. You'll spend some time learning from Garrett Gunderson, the brilliant and hilarious mind behind Money Unmasked, and the New York Times and Wall Street Journal best-selling book, Killing Sacred Cows, and one of my favorite books, What Would the Rockefellers Do? He's going to share his insights on how to grow your assets tax-free with life insurance. And you'll also get some time with Rob Dial, the mastermind behind the Mindset Mentor Podcast, who will share with you how to find fulfillment in success. Then you'll get to participate in a special investment presentation, in-depth discussions, and breakout sessions on two crucial yet often overlooked topics, personalized tax strategies and wealth building. Plus, when you register, you'll have the opportunity to attend a one-day course the day before on vetting deals. If you want to learn our process so that you can make great decisions, there's no better teacher than Hans Box. This is our most requested topic, and it'll be an exceptional course. Seats for the course and the one day event are limited. So if you're interested, please grab your ticket today. I always say you're just one connection, one decision, and one strategy away from true freedom, and I look forward to helping you on your journey. Head over to lifestyleinvestor.com forward slash live or click the link around this video and secure your ticket now before we sell out. Hope to see you in Austin this May. Once again, that's lifestyleinvestor.com forward slash live. I can't wait to see you there. Now, let's get into today's episode. Welcome to the Lifestyle Investor Podcast. Imagine being able to earn passive income, build long-term wealth, while gaining total freedom from your business or job. If you want to learn all about low risk cash flow investing, achieve financial freedom, and live the life you truly desire, this podcast is going to show you exactly how to do it. It's no secret that digital marketing is essential to building a business, but there's a lot to keep up with SEO, paid advertising, social media, web development, branding. Email marketing, lead generation, sales funnels, and so much more. And for the busy entrepreneur trying to scale their business, knowing what to do and how to do it gets confusing quickly. No one knows this better than today's guest, Patrick Dillon. Pat is a lifelong entrepreneur and founder of Wise Digital Partners, an award winning digital marketing agency specializing in developing strategies, products, and services designed to help any size business grow and thrive in the digital world. In today's conversation, you'll learn how Wise Digital Partners is helping entrepreneurs navigate the confusing world of marketing so they can achieve hyper growth in their business, why hiring the right team is the most effective strategy to scale, and the downside to niching down and how Pat built multi-million dollar businesses across 10 different industries. One more thing before we get to today's interview, Pat has a special gift for Lifestyle Investor podcast listeners. He's offering a complimentary online business audit valued at $350, where his team will evaluate the digital health of your company. They'll review your website, SEO, social media, keyword rankings, paid media, analytics, and more, all for free. To get access to this gift, visit lifestyleinvestor.com forward slash 120. Thanks for listening. And without further delay, my conversation with Patrick Dillon. What's up, Pat? So glad to have you on the show. What's up, buddy? How are you? I'm just loving the fact that we're going to have you on and get to share your story. It's really one of my favorite things just to have my dear friends, people I've been friends with for years and years and years, decades in your uh, case, just on to share their story and all the cool stuff that they're up to in life. So yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to have you here, buddy. Absolutely. Fired up here too. So yeah, it's interesting because... Part of why I want to have you on the show, number one, is because you've done a great job with your entrepreneurial life, several different ventures there, which is fun. And I know that we feature a lot of successful entrepreneurs on the show. But what I really love about you and what I think separates you from the rest of the pack is that you live a great life. You do the things you love. You travel the globe. You have epic experiences. And so I want to kind of get into some of this. I think there are very few people, there may be no one outside of my wife that has traveled to more countries with me than you have. Yeah, and so we've got this long-rich history of being all over the globe, probably 20 different countries, maybe yeah. even closer to 30, for sure 20, 20 that we've been able to, you know, kind of globe-trot together and experience life. We've done it back in the days where we were a little more thrifty and didn't spend as much and found a way to get a deal, stayed in some hostels, cool hostels though. And then, you know, we've done it where we've had money and we've spent and it's been a little more extravagant with three Michelin star restaurant type of experiences and uh, just, you know, kind of the full gambit. and go back to the old days. The hostels were the most fun. Oh, totally. I remember that one that we were at, well, I mean, there are so many, so many great stories. I don't even know if we should go into all those right now. I just remember a really fun experience with one of the places that we stayed. I believe it was in Barcelona. Yeah. And our good friend Jimmy didn't make friends very well with the person running the place and got shooed <laughs> out with a broom. <laughs> That was actually Adam, but whatever. Oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) That's pretty funny. So yeah, I'd love to just hear, like, where did you get this desire to travel and explore the globe? Yeah, obviously, you know, a lot
1: of the story on on travel, I had great parents who really enjoyed travel and really wanted my brother Rob and I to experience travel. And we took like a big international trip every single year growing up. And then as a kid, we had, I think, four sets of exchange students from different parts of the globe, quite a couple from Barcelona, Madrid and different areas of Spain. And so, you know, having them come visit and learn about their culture and then we were invited to go there and stay summers there. And just that's been a back and forth thing every every single year. Nuria and Jordi say hi. I think Hillary and I are going to go there this summer as well. And that kind of put me on the path for getting out and exploring more. And I think I have backed around Europe three times, backed around Thailand twice, been everywhere you could imagine going in, in uh, Mexico with you. I mean, it's been, I mean, so many places in the U.S. and Canada and Caribbean and Mexico and, and Europe as well. And there's a few friends out there like that where we just travel so well together because it's, it's like it's very difficult to upset us things roll off her back pretty quickly. And I really, I wish I could do more of it. I think with with COVID and the pandemic and starting this new business, it's been a lot less travel than I would like. And that's gonna change this year, I think.
0: That's awesome. I also appreciate the benefit that I got, the extension of the exchange students. So you had this really cool experience where you invited exchange students into your home. They lived with you. They did high school with you. And then you went over there, lived with them. Did life with them. And so, by extension, since we've done a bunch of trips, you know, I got a chance to meet them while they were here in town. We got a chance to go hang out with them when we were in Spain, I think on a couple of different occasions. I think one of them was a professional athlete and took us around, introduced us to other people on the team. And just we got like a real live tour from people that lived there every single day. Like it was. It was their world. And I feel like there's no better way to tour a city, a country, multiple locations than from locals that have like meaning tied to like they have experiences. They have this love and joy of the things that they're showing us because of the impact and the influence it had on them.
1: Yeah. Yeah. In fact, the last time I was over there, I spent six weeks in in Europe like four years ago over the summer. It was Jordi's 40th birthday. There was seven Olympians at the 40th birthday party, including his wife. So such a neat group of people.
0: That's unbelievable. Yeah, no kidding. Just athletic as they come. Yeah. So, yeah. And so I could see how travel could become very appealing when that's kind of the framework that you grew up with, that you started at a young age, you knew people well. Uh, across the globe. You had this pen pal type of relationship that went beyond just paper and pen. Yep. Yeah, just such a unique experience. And from there, you really also found this love, not just of travel, but of people, relationships, even, you know, I feel like that kind of rooted down and you learned to appreciate entrepreneurship and started In your own entrepreneurial ventures. And I'm curious where that came from because, from your parents' standpoint, I don't like from either of our parents, neither of us had entrepreneurial parents, right?
1: Well, I mean, my dad owned an accounting firm and he was an accountant when I was growing up for a combination accounting and legal firm. And then my mom owned a graphic design business. And and so, you know, I had the numbers side of the brain and the artistic side of the brain and sort of got that yin and yang from them. But, you know, dad dad moved on to start his own accounting firm at the time i was graduating high school so for the last you know 15 or so years of his career he owned a big firm and I, I think there was it was definitely at a formative time in my life when i was you know approaching the end of high school and going to college that i saw a lot of that but i knew from go that i wanted to have my own business because i wanted to have flexibility and freedom to to do more of the travel and 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 that type of thing i just I'm happy that I ended up in a business, which I've started 10 businesses, but the business that I have today is is what I want to do, I think, for the rest of my career, because my job is to evangelize what great work we do, and talk to business owners. And I couldn't imagine, like today, I have 11 meetings today. I'll be talking to four new business owners about helping grow their business. It's such fun conversations. I, I
0: just, I really enjoy it. Well, let's talk about some of your early businesses. One of the things that uh, I really enjoyed with an interview that I had with my friend, Kasim Aslam, he talked a lot about this power of, of niche market, like find the niche market, find these businesses, become the authority in this space. There's huge opportunity. And he has kind of owned the Montessori space. He's done a lot in the world of he sold his Google ads agency and uh, really has done some cool things, and so I think of like some of your businesses as very niche yep. market businesses. I'd love for you to share some of these. Like one of them, I remember, you know, one of your first ones being that janitorial business that you were able to scale by implementing the right SEO, finding the right operator that could actually be boots on the ground, so you didn't have to. Yep. Yeah, let's talk about that.
1: Yeah, you know, it's it, the arc of what I've done is. It's, it's just a very weird path, but, you know, it started out with the crowdsourcing fashion company, which I started with, uh, with a friend of ours, Jimmy, in 2006. That was a really fun business. I, I liked it. it. There was a lot to learn. We were getting into retail, we were selling online, we were creating online, we were recruiting designers from around the world. We had 10,000 designers board and then the platform in 18 months, but no one could predict or, in a lot of cases, handle the, the crash of, of 2007. And that changed everything for us. And, you know, big brands weren't spending money. Retailers didn't want to onboard or, or, or take a risk on a new fashion brand. And so that business actually became a software company that had a couple breakout products. The one that really broke out was uh, was called Deal Current Network. We were the first company to private label group on. And so we ended up providing a competitive toolkit, uh, a software platform to media companies to help them compete with Groupon and other businesses like it in their local markets, which got us into advertising. And we ended up having 44,000 small business advertisers on that platform. What we figured out was they re- really needed help with more sustainable marketing models. So their website, SEO, Facebook, which was just coming out of the scene at the time for local businesses, Google, all that stuff. And so, you know, we created a digital marketing agency, which is called Lightpost Digital about eight or nine years ago. And I started seeing the success that we were bringing our clients and how fast their businesses were growing because we were we were ahead of the curve with a lot of those businesses, getting them online, establishing them well with Google and social media and directories and all these other places. I think at the time, like with the janitorial business, I think I got jealous. I was jealous at how fast we were growing their businesses. And I, I felt like I, I was maybe a little bit bored because... Business was moving really well. We were, you know, we had been doing that for a couple different years. And I started doing some research with a student actually into, you know, what industries are B2Bs, serve the local market, are disruptable online and have nice recurring revenue with, with healthy margins. And a janitorial business is a lot of those things. Now the margins are a little more more squeezed today, and COVID created some unusually strong effects on the janitorial businesses. A lot of less people today go into offices, so there's less opportunity out there and all that stuff. But yeah, I've got got two janitorial companies now. They run decently. I've got a general manager that manages them, and it's been interesting to sort of play both sides, the client and the agency, because Wise Digital runs the marketing for those businesses and pays normal fees to Wise Digital and stuff. That's been fun. But, you know, I think the most fun I've had to date in any of these businesses is Wise Digital. It's essentially like my third agency because we built a big one. We merged it with another company, sold it, got rid of all of our investors, including our VC capital and all that. And I just didn't, I didn't like the merger that it went into. So... In early 2019, I started Wise Digital. I brought back all the talent, most talented people I've had in all my businesses. So I, I think I approached six or eight different people individually, one at a time over the first two years, and every single one of them came back and now runs a department. So we've got just six wonderful managers who are the smartest people I've ever worked with in that particular role and
0: discipline. That's awesome. Yeah, it's, it's really cool that you could kind of cherry pick who the best people you've worked with over the years are. And by the way, I get it. I get what happens when you have VC money and you're on the VC treadmill and there are demands. It's it went from being your business, you call the shots, to it's not necessarily just your business. In many cases, you may not even have majority ownership or majority control. Yeah. And you're, you know, answering to them. It's a different Game. And I always tell people, hey, VCs are great for the right situation, but they're not right for every situation.
1: What was different here was we became a software company and they invested in the software company, but then we pivoted and moved into more of a services model as a division of that company. And then that model grew faster than the software side. So the VCs ended up in a business that they were majority shareholders in that they didn't really understand anymore. This business was more attractive. A lot bigger potential. I wanted to do things with it that they just didn't understand, hmm. or maybe have the wherewithal to sit through how long it was going to take to get to where we wanted to go.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. Now, for a short iteration prior to moving into the agency model, you really found a niche in like artists because I remember you had artistic hub for a little bit, right? Yeah,
1: that was the fashion business and before deal current there was artistic hub and what that was we had we had built a very successful website for attracting artists and getting them to download design templates go and create something like a t-shirt design upload it and then bring their friends to the website to vote on it so they would go and do all the work and then create all our traffic and then we would produce the results and It was really interesting. I always think back, like, what if the 2007 crash didn't happen or didn't happen right then and we had maybe one more year? Because I went out and figured out how to get us into retail. I got us into, I think, 28 different retail stores in six U.S. markets, everywhere from L.A. to New York to Miami. And that that was a a fun and interesting business. But when the crash happened, and I think within a matter of six months, a third of our, our retailers went out of business. Another third said they didn't want to do wholesale anymore. They wanted to do consignment and the revenue model just flipped upside down.
0: I just wanted to take a quick moment to let you know about a special offer that I created for the lifestyle investor community. When I look back at my investing journey, there's one specific investment in particular that was the spark to increasing my net worth and allowing me to leave my job to become a lifestyle investor. I'm talking about mobile home parks. Yes, mobile home parks. If you just cringed a little, that's exactly why these provide such a great opportunity because of the negative stigma and stereotype people might have. In reality, this is an incredible investment that you can get into with little or no money down. You can also quickly get a return on your capital. You can immediately cash flow on day one. You can hold it forever as a cash cow You get accelerated depreciation to reduce or eliminate the taxes that you would owe, and often the seller will finance the deal so you don't need a bank. You can also buy them at the highest cap rate of all real estate, meaning it's the cheapest real estate to buy based on the income that it generates. And it's the lowest default rate of all real estate, meaning it's the safest asset class to own in real estate. I use this asset class to start my journey in real estate investing and grow my net worth to over eight figures all before I turn 40. And out of all the questions that people ask me, how do I get into mobile home parks is still the number one question that I get, which is why I put together this mobile home park master class. This is a paid class that I'm offering for a limited time only. For all the details, head over to justindonald.com forward slash MHP and watch the video, which outlines all the details about the class and exactly what you get when you sign up. You'll also hear the incredible success stories from students who have gone through my content and are now making hundreds of thousands of dollars in passive income. If you want to take the same first step that I did that helped me take both my wife and I from working full-time jobs to becoming lifestyle investors Join me in my Mobile Home Park Masterclass and let's get started on your journey to becoming a lifestyle investor. Visit justindonald.com forward slash MHP for all the details. Yeah, and it is interesting to think about the importance of timing. And by the way, sometimes it's pure luck or it's just that you're unlucky with timing where the idea could be a brilliant idea. It could work in almost any economic season, except for maybe one. And, you know, that stretch of 2007 on 2008, and even for a number of years, a lot of things shifted. Like the world as we knew it shifted. The demand that existed for certain things shifted, just as we've seen during COVID. That's another place where a lot of demand shifted, a lot of new businesses emerged. But at the same time, a lot of existing businesses really struggled because what worked just all of a sudden didn't work. That's the interesting aspect of economic timing. Yep. right.
1: What was interesting, like, incredibly bad timing led to really good timing. So Jimmy it was my business partner at the time, and we were sitting down it seemed like on a, on a weekly basis, we were sitting down and, and talking about, do we shut down the business? Do we tell all of our investors we lost their money? This isn't working. What are we going to do? And we had like four or five breakfasts like that before he would go off to his other job trying to figure out what we're going to do. And all of a sudden, we got an email one day from a PR company that was looking to buy the software that we had built to build Collar Free, the, the fashion company. And they said, we, you know, we want to buy this for one of our clients. And he said, who's the client? And of course, we had to go through all the NDA process and stuff. And then we finally figured out the client was Sports Illustrated. And so Jimmy was very smart to think, hey, it's not available for sale anymore. It's available for licensing. And that became our first licensed client with a platform that we built to help drive traffic for SIKids.com and then eventually more of the time properties. And so bad luck can change and turn into something good if you just have the grit to stick through it
0: yeah and it depends the lens you're looking out of if you're just trying to find all the reasons why it failed you failed the idea didn't work you'll find all those reasons but if you take the same amount of time and say hey what's what is the silver lining in this because as painful as failure can be really it's through that failure where i think we learn the most we grow the most the most potential and opportunities there because we're the most willing to like put ego aside and make different moves, make different decisions, talk to different people, like get outside the box and think a little differently, right?
1: Yeah. And I think there's we know an individual, we know probably many individuals where the blocker for them is is their ego. They can't set that aside. They can't admit failure. They can't admit that they screwed up. I'm probably the first person to admit in the agency that I screwed up because no one's gonna be on my on my butt about screwing up. You know, they're just hey, this, this was
0: a hypothesis. It didn't work. Let's try this instead. Yeah. So talk to me about why digital. So you've got this company, and by the way, I've used your services, but I'd love for people to understand what it is that you do and why you're, well, first of all, your business has grown leaps and bounds. You are consistently growing every month and it's not by accident. It's really by design and by the value that you're offer. But I'd love to hear just some of what you do, why you're growing or even the clip that you're growing at and the various awards you've won. You guys have won a ton of awards. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm lucky. I,
1: this is my, you could say third agency. It's, it's the, it's the first agency I have own where I'm the owner. I don't have any investors. I don't have any majority partners. So. You know, I can do what's right for our clients and our employees and, you know, and more broadly, our partners as well. We have a lot of partners which are helping fuel a lot of the growth. So, you know, the thing I learned in the first agency, Lipos Digital, was we weren't offering enough products or services. We were offering a very small collection of products and services. And then, you know, you start growing 10, 20 percent of your clients by leaps and bounds because they're the ones that are set up for that kind of, you know, in, influx of business. And they start asking you for more and more services. And then you try and add on other stuff later. And it's like, well, you're just saying yes so that you don't lose their other business. And I think that was the tough area that Lightpost was in. Also, you know, we I had a partner who didn't agree with me all the time. And also we had investors that were fighting a lot of it. And I think when I went through the merger, I figured out a lot of the stuff that we were remarkably bad at, that business was really good at. And then we were good at the stuff they weren't good at. And so I think when we come combine forces I learned a lot about just how are we going to be like an A player across all these different disciplines because what I've come to realize in digital is that this is a really complicated ecosystem today 5 years ago 10 years ago for sure you could you know launch a website do a little SEO work and all of a sudden the phone starts ringing well today it's it's more challenging you know there's a lot more businesses in every single category that have gotten wise to how this stuff works they're dabbling with listings and reviews and the SEO and the PPC and all that stuff. And it's, it's just made it more challenging. In fact, I launched another janitorial company just two years ago. And the difference between launching that company two years ago and the other one four or five years ago, it's a very different ballgame in the exact same like size market. And so it takes a lot of really talented people. It takes a huge payroll. We're running a million and a half dollar payroll right now. And it just keeps growing and growing. One thing, when you talk about niches and and going after a niche and owning a niche, I've done that with various businesses, but with Wise Digital, I chose not to do that. I think the conventional wisdom for agency owners by former agency owners is that you got to niche yourself. you got to work with just, you know, Montessori schools or just janitorial companies or whatever. But there's a lot of things I don't like about that. One, you're not protected against economic cycles, right? Because what if you chose just to work with mortgage companies like our number one vertical for the first two years of COVID was mortgage companies. And we just, we kept winning awards. We were ranked so highly on Google for eight or 10 different terms related to mortgage marketing and mortgage marketing agencies and nationwide focus and all this stuff that they just kept coming to us. But, you know, once interest rates turned, that business flipped upside down. And those businesses are 70 or 80% down over last year. So it's the foresight that we had was we know this was coming. So we just started doubling down on our, our accounting clients and our legal clients and our e-commerce clients and those types of businesses. And so now we serve like 30 or 40 different industries. Uh, we have clients in three different countries. Our largest client is in Australia, trying to move into the US. We've got employees in uh, four countries and nine states. It's just, you know, it, it turned global really quickly. And so, you know, my plan for the business is I'd like to even though we're in 30 or 40 industries, there's a lot of those types of businesses that just come to us and find us because of the award winning work and the breadth of services and the affordability of our business versus a competitor who's at at our same level quality wise, but much, much bigger. So they're twice the price is really to focus on how can we dominate 10 industries how can we define million dollar verticals across 10 different in- industries so that, you know, like when COVID hit, even though we had about 15% of our clients that were in, in businesses that had to completely shut down with COVID, the other 80 for, 85% of our business either maintained or grew because of COVID, which allowed, you know, my team and my employees not have to worry one day about their job or their paycheck. It allowed us to go back to about 15 of our clients and say, hey, we know you're in trouble. If you haven't gotten any kind of government funding yet, we have, we're going to take care of your marketing and your fees until you get that money. And so we were able to do things like that because we weren't so focused on one industry. We we didn't have all our eggs in one basket.
0: It's interesting because you brought up a point earlier that I think we should dive into, which is now you can do what's right for your partners. Meaning before you were a little hamstrung on what you could and couldn't do, right? Yeah. I mean, one of the things when we really started dissecting, and you and I took a deep dive on this based on, you know, kind of that model, some other businesses that were out there, some of the, let's say, less than stellar practices in the industry yep. that exist, where, yeah, there are definitely you know companies agencies doing a disservice to their clients their clients don't know these people yeah. have no clue and they say they do things that they don't really do and then on top of that they can't even do the things that often they need to be able to do right
1: yeah we offer 12 services 6 products some of those proprietary we have our own website platform which is i think gives our agency a huge advantage nest is a all-encompassing website platform, ADA compliance, review platform, backend solution, reporting solution. And we can do some things that other agencies can't do because they're all competing on the same products and services. But an agency to, to do what we do, we probably are subscribed to 40 to 60 different software platforms at a pretty exorbitant cost to the agency annually. And there's a lot of the services that we offer that can't be actually administered without a couple different software platforms. And there's a lot of agencies out there, I think, that are just, I say it sometimes, I think 95% of the digital marketing space is idiots or crooks. And I've come across all of them. <laughs> and it's challenging because there's very little transparency in the space. It's not like we're doctors or lawyers or accountants where you're getting degrees and licensees to do this stuff. Any Tom Dick or Harry can come out and say they do SEO and there's no governing body for it. And for the most part, business owners, it's like the wizard behind a curtain. They they have no idea what's happening back there. And I think one thing that we've coming as non-technologists into the space, one thing that I've learned to do is figure out how it works and then go and explain how it works. And so I think what I've always done well with clients is hey, let me show you how this stuff works so that. It's not all hocus pocus to you. And and I think that teaching brings a lot of transparency and comfort to our clients. So we've gone and produced a lot of that stuff on our YouTube channel and our blog and all these other areas, too, where, hey, let's teach you how this stuff works. Because once you actually can learn and appreciate how difficult the stuff is, our belief is no client would ever try and do it themselves. Why would they?
0: Yeah. What's some simple low-hanging fruit that any entrepreneur should be? be considering doing like some of it yeah they could probably do themselves a lot of it they can't but what's just like a quick laundry list of things that any entrepreneur should have done at some point probably sooner than later if they haven't already
1: yeah and this is stuff that we tell business owners and clients that they need to do regardless if they work with us or not and realistically you need to do it while you're working with us One is reviews, like if you have a business, especially if it's a local business, serving some local market, and we define local businesses as they serve local markets, but they could be in 30, 40 different locations. Reviews account for about 24% of the Google algorithm. So, you know, if you have a great business with a great website and great SEO and all your directories are in order, if you don't have reviews and you're not focused on getting reviews, you're going to fall behind your competition. And there's a lot of professional service industries like law firms and wealth planning firms that say, oh, well, I can't get reviews. There's too much uh, red tape. No, there isn't. That's not how Google works. And Google's a bigger audience for you than your prospective customers. So you just need to get with it. The other thing is is directory listings, is is making sure your business information, NAP data, name, address, phone number, descriptions, all, all that rich data is consistent and accurate across a lot of different directories. Like for the local clients that we serve, uh, we manage 44 different local directories, Bing, Yahoo, Chamber of Commerce, Google, Facebook, AOL, all those places. That accounts for 51% of the local search algorithm. So just doing those two things, you're you're ahead of most of your competition.
0: Yeah, that's great. And by the way, that's like, the super low-hanging fruit. There's a ton of other low-hanging fruit that you'd probably need to engage an agency to be able to do because most people are not savvy enough to do it themselves. And even if they are, it's probably not the best use of their time anyway. Their time, these entrepreneurs should be spending their time on their business, not in their business. I think one of two is,
1: it's like I've talked to 10,000 business owners, especially local business owners over the last 10 years get a brand standards document together. It takes a designer an hour or two to put this together it defines your colors your fonts your textures your finishes your logo lockups so that when you do go and get published in a magazine or need business cards made or need to go to a design firm to get a better website built you've already got those decisions made
0: yeah I think that's incredible advice. I mean, all this is just great. There, there's gold here, and I think that there's low hanging fruit for all entrepreneurs. So you know, be considering this for the new ventures that you that you are starting, but for anything that's in existence. these are things that are so important. I mean, for us, just updating our Google information has had a big effect on even just our real estate, right? Getting yeah. people in the door in the real estate. So yeah, tons of cool stuff. I mean, we could talk for hours on this. You and I do. We, we talk for hours about all the cool hacks that exist. And I just, for me, I love to outsource. So yeah, I like to do as little myself and put as much into the hand of experts as humanly possible. So for those that are interested to learn more about you and, and about Wise Digital, where can they find you? Yeah. I
1: mean, right now you can still book me directly off the website. So if you just go to wise dot and you can click contact in the top, right, you can actually just book a meeting with me. It's starting to happen about 10 times a week. So I think I'm going to have to make a change there this year, but you can also email me Patrick at wise dot That's a great way to get started.
0: Love it. Well, I appreciate your time, Pat. This is always fun. Always great to connect. I love Wrapping up each session that I do by asking my listeners a simple question, and that question is this. What's the one step you can take today to move towards financial freedom and living the life that you truly desire, a life that's on your terms, not someone else's, and a life that is not by default, but rather by design? Thanks, and we'll catch you next week. Thank you, buddy. Thanks for listening to the Lifestyle Investor Podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, be sure to subscribe so future episodes are automatically downloaded directly to your device. You can also leave an honest rating and review over on iTunes. Not only do I read every single one, but it also helps me understand what content matters the most to our audience. And if you can think of one or two people who would benefit from this episode, would you mind sharing it with them right now? Who knows? Maybe they'll buy you something nice when they make their first million. If you would like access to today's show notes, including links to all resources mentioned, visit www.lifestyleinvestor.com. Thanks again for listening, and I'll catch you next week for another episode of The Lifestyle Investor. This podcast is being made available exclusively to financially sophisticated, high net worth individuals capable of evaluating the merits and risks of investments. The material presented in this podcast is not intended to be investment advice or to recommend the purchase or sale of any security, nor is it intended to be legal, accounting or tax advice. You should consult with your legal, tax or financial advisor in connection with any material discussed on this podcast. Past performance is not indicative nor a guarantee of future results. Certain materials discussed on this podcast may have been prepared by third parties, which have been obtained from sources that we believe to be accurate and current. However, we make no representation or warranty as to the accuracy, completeness, or currency of such materials.